0: Big thanks to eBay for sponsoring this episode of Pass Gas. Passion, drive, patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. We're talking superchargers, turbos, exhaust kits, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for.
1: in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
2: It's April 23rd, 1962. Sterling Moss is pushing his Lotus V8 to its absolute limit, at the Glover Trophy race on the UK's Goodwood Circuit. He feathers the gas and blasts through the chicane, carving hard around Madwick's corner. His tiny eight cylinder F1 car has the same horsepower as a Scion FRS, but weighs a mere 800 pounds. He buries the accelerator and watches the speedometer climb as he shoots down the Ford Water Bend. The only thing on Sterling's mind is catching up to Graham Hill. The cars approach 130 miles per hour, and Moss grips the wheel, ready to overtake Hill's BRM by inducing oversteer, a method of pushing the car's cornering abilities to supernatural lengths that very few drivers are able to manage. Ford Water Bend is the fastest section of Goodwood, and the move has to be perfect. Unfortunately, Sterling's driving isn't. As his car exits Ford Water, there is the slightest dip which creates a pocket of wind that eliminates any room for errors. The wheel jerks in Sterling's hands as one of his tires clips the grass approaching St. Mary's turn. The impossibly light car tumbles off the track. The fiberglass and aluminum body collapses in on itself and skids to a stop, entombing Sterling inside. His bones are crushed, skin torn. Annie Strudwick, a nurse stationed nearby, rushes into action. As she approaches, she notices Sterling is alive, but in bad shape. He's covered in blood and his face is bright purple. This now legendary racer had somehow survived this horrific crash, but he was choking to death on bubblegum. Thinking quickly, she reaches into his mouth and grabs the gooey wad, (gasps) sterling gasps in relief. The rescue crew then spends the next half hour sawing apart the frame to extract moss from the wreck. How did one man break three world speed records, win almost half of his 529 races, and dominate the Nürburgring 1000 three years in a row? How did this household name in racing give away his only shot at winning an F1 championship title? Who was this British driver? The king whom racing never crowned? Today on Past Gas, they say a rolling stone gathers no moss, but what about a speeding car? It's Sterling Moss.
3: podcast it's about, it's not about let's fucking get into it <laughs> let's uh,
2: LFGII. let's get into it let's get, let's into, get it.
3: into it what's up fellas what's up? how we doing Um, prepping for this i watched this uh documentary about sterling moss hosted by sir patrick stewart
0: nice oh.
3: you guys might know him as jean-luc picard yeah yes i'm familiar from star trek yep yeah, so Sterling Moss in his office in his house like has the steering wheel from this crash like hanging on the wall, and it's super bent up. And uh, Jean Luc Picard is like, "Don't you think this is like bad luck?" And like Sterling Moss is like, "No, I'll just you know, I basically put two mi- two middle fingers up to it." And like Patrick Stewart, like comes. <laughs> like, <laughs> Ah, (laughs) like the whole time he's just like this is the coolest guy i'm so stoked (laughs) to be here i can't believe i'm talking to this guy i can't believe i'm in his house like the whole time he's just like giggling that's That's awesome i love patrick stewart sir patrick yeah so pat well
2: hello everybody welcome back to past gas as you know this week we were talking about sterling moss this episode a lot of requests for this topic this man, uh, we've mentioned Sterling Moss. I feel like he's popped up pretty much anytime we talk about vintage F1 stories. Uh, his name pops up, and it seems like an only natural that we now talk about him in his own episode. So thank you to everybody who's requested him. Uh, I'm excited to talk about him. Uh, probably the most British name I've ever heard in my life.
3: <laughs> his name is an adjective and then a noun. It is. Yeah.
2: That's some Sterling Moss on that tree over there.
0: Isn't that their money too? Sterling pounds. Sterling silver, correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah. That is correct. Uh, yeah. yeah.
2: I'm a, I'm sure that those things have something to do with each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sterling is a sick name, dude. Dude, Sterling's a sick name.
0: That'd be that'd be like if like I was rich in America and my name was Buck. But like way
3: like way classier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, I knew a guy in high school named Sterling And he was a fullback on our football team uh-huh. And he was one of the One of the most brutal Ruthless fullbacks I've ever seen He would, really? he would yeah. pick
0: up kids And break them over his knee
3: I wanna, While if I, carrying I a like, football I feel like if I had a kid And I named him Sterling He'd be like really like skinny <laughs> And like little and pretty Like yeah. a gossip girl boy Yeah
0: <laughs> A gossip boy, <laughs> like yeah, Rosie a <laughs> gossip
3: boy. And he'd just be like a mean, mean person.
0: Oh, like, it's always a gamble,
2: man. Like, you want to give your kid a cool name, but uh-huh. there's always a chance that he, he's just the
3: opposite.
0: Yeah, because I feel like names manifest who you become.
3: Yeah, like when I picture a Sterling, I think of like Ryan Philippi. Yes. From yeah. From Cruel Intentions.
0: Now, like a Timothy Chalamet, maybe?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. I want my son to look like Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> and I'm a name <laughs> We
0: all want
2: our sons to
3: look like Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't?
2: <laughs> <laughs> my name is Nolan Sykes. Uh, joined as always by my co hosts,
0: uh, we got Joe Weber. Slime off a of slug's back.
3: <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Forget, you right? weren't
0: kidding. That one's good, dude. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: and James Humphrey. <laughs>
3: Uh if you ain't trying to win, you're losing it, and you can take that one to the bank. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow,
3: that's like about
0: I'm... three different sayings in one. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I want to use this opportunity to promote uh, my new podcast, The Long Way, uh, co-hosted by Jeremiah Burton from Donut Media, and that that's our official sign-off. That's
0: cool. I like that. Cool, yeah. man. Yeah,
2: keep an eye out for that. Without further ado, let's learn more about this Sterling Moss. Sterling Moss was born to wealth, yeah, no shit, in 1929, (laughs) (laughs) and raised in a London mansion along the Thames River, the same estate where the famous English composer Edward Elger created some of his greatest works.
0: Ah, yes, I'm familiar. Yes, Mm -hmm. you know.
2: Sterling's father, Alfred Moss, was himself a very successful man in the somewhat less glamorous career of dentistry. But throughout his life, Alfred also nurtured a sweet tooth for his side passion, racing. When Sterling's father wasn't knuckle deep in Londoners' disgusting mouths, (laughs) he was competing in the cycle car racing circuit. (laughs)
3: <laughs> like gross Dude I, Yeah What was this Like Who wrote 20s this or Sam something? Raimi how, how gross Would that guy's job be Like they don't They didn't have gloves back then Oh, oh Didn't even think of <laughs> they that
0: They probably didn't wash their hands That much either <laughs> That's yeah. so nasty Just like
3: Gross <laughs> Malice
0: Like extracting teeth And putting like Tusk In <laughs> <laughs> Yeah <laughs>
2: They probably did. Uh, Alfred would blast up and down hills all over the English countryside in a 500-pound derby racer equipped with bicycle wheels and a 1,000cc motor. (laughs) Yeah, no thank you. (laughs) Alfred turned out to be a decent driver. Later, he graduated to racing real cars and used his mouth money to buy his way into the Indianapolis 500, where he drove to 16th place in a field of 22 cars. Not bad for a dentist. From London. <laughs> after a half dozen years of competitive racing, Alfred met his wife, Eileen Crawford, who had made a name for herself racing on the rally circuit after driving ambulances around the combat zones of World War One Europe. Together, they had two children, Sterling and Pat Moss. You got a noun and a verb. Uh-
0: <laughs> Man, it would suck to have a sibling named Sterling
3: and your name is Pat. For sure. At- Pat's like, One of the worst ways to say touch. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) As children, the Moss kids quickly took to competition and began dominating the local equestrian scene. They're big horse boys. (laughs) (laughs) Alfred got Sterling racing at the age of nine. Motor racing, that is. He bought him an Austin 7 and let him zip around their property. The 10-horsepower buggy was just enough of a thrill for the kid that he wanted to take it to the road.
3: I want to take it to the road, Papa. (laughs) I want to take it to the road. No, no. (laughs) Can I have an Austin 7 Daddy? You shut up, Pat. (laughs) You shut up. (laughs) Get in your cage, Pat. After dangling racing in young Sterling's face his entire childhood, his father suddenly decided he should pursue a career in dentistry. Sterling defied his dad and instead began his racing career behind the wheel of his father's 1937 BMW 328. The tiny Beamer was powered by a 1971cc overhead valve straight six that put 80 horses to the skinny tires out back, and Sterling used every ounce of that power.
2: That sounds fun. I want to drive one of these like really vintage roadsters with like crazy skinny tires. Sounds awesome. Mm-hmm.
3: I bet it'd be pretty slippy. Oh yeah, like a Gingerman or something. No, I'd like a Grange. Yes. Alfred saw the joy it brought his son and let him continue racing. After World War II, nineteen forty-eight, Sterling had the chance to. Uh, <laughs> funny how we don't mention his military service. <laughs> a lot of rich kids.
0: No, he was, uh, he was 13 at this point.
3: Grass on the field play ball.
0: Oh.
3: <laughs> no. What a terrible no. phrase. Oh,
0: my God.
3: Wait, what? <laughs>
0: oh, God. So-
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, who said that to me? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Like, for us. Sorry,
0: uh, correction. He was 19 in 1948. So I think he just yeah. missed... I'll let
3: it slide. After World War II in 1948, Sterling had the chance to put down his dad's hard-earned money on a deposit for the first production Cooper 500 race car. These tiny Formula 3 Speedway racers were powered by 80-horsepower, 500cc motorcycle motors. Their ultra-light bodies were crafted from hoops and pressed metal. Some of the earliest Coopers were cobbled together from crashed Fiats, but not Sterling's. His down payment ensured he secured one of the non-upcycled models. On the F3 circuit, the teenage Sterling was a force of nature. He stacked checkered flags, first locally, then international, quickly proving to team managers that it didn't matter if they ran a Nash, Porsche, Maserati, Cooper, Aston Martin, Ferrari, Jaguar, or even a Lister. What really mattered was that Sterling was driving. It still stands as one of the strongest F3 debuts in the early history of the sport. The day before his 21st birthday, Sterling scored his first milestone win. He secured a shocking victory at the 1950 RAC Tourist Trophy in the middle of a downpour in Northern Ireland behind the wheel of a borrowed Jaguar XJ120. Oh yeah, baby. Oh yeah. During this period of formula racing, a new kind of car would enter a race and win. Then companies would race to catch up to the tech in the winner's car. But Sterling's borrowed XJ was entirely stock, and he won with a two-mile lead over Peter Whitehead, who was named after a pimple, <laughs> and was also driving a stock XJ. Sterling was also a decade younger than the next youngest racer on the grid. It was a big victory for such a young racer, and he went on to become a repeat champion at the event six times in total. That's like so like uh like that just proves how different racing was back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If like the next youngest guy was thirty one, <laughs> like it was such yeah. like just sports in general were such like a hobby.
2: Yeah, I was about to say it's very much like a not pro am kind of mindset, but it's still like a hobby that people are taking seriously. You know, like right,
0: like pickleball is
3: now, like pickleball, yeah, like pickleball is now, and then like fifty years, like there'll be like pickleball camps. Yeah, <laughs> like I got to send my kid to pickleball camp this summer. <laughs> Um, But can you imagine a dentist entering the Indy 500 now?
0: It's kind of an analog to the situation where the Chicago Blackhawks were in the playoffs and they had to reach down to like their third string goalie because the other two were injured. And he was like an accountant and came and helped them out in the playoffs a couple years ago.
3: Wow. But Sterling's 1955 Tourist Trophy outing was arguably the most notable. He'd recently joined the team of legendary racer Juan Manuel Banjo and was replaced on Team Jaguar by recent Le Mans winner Mike Hawthorne. Sterling took pole position and vanished down the road in the lead while the rest of the pack struggled to catch up. As the racers pushed to catch Sterling, Tim Mayers and William Smith, uh, getting jiggy with it, crashed at the difficult Deer's Leap straightaway, the fastest stretch on the Dundrod circuit. A few laps later, a third racer, Richard Manwaring, was tragically killed in a fiery crash. But far ahead of the wreck, Sterling was battling Hawthorne, his replacement at Jaguar, for the lead when he blew a tire and needed to stop for a repair. Then, over seven long laps in the pouring rain, Moss managed to battle back behind Hawthorne. The 265-horsepower straight-eight Mercedes motor struggled to catch the Jag's lighter 3.4-liter straight-six, but as the finish was approaching, Hawthorne's motor seized and Sterling coasted to another win. The tragic bloody race would be the last tourist trophy ever run in Northern Ireland.
2: That's just another example of how unique this era was. Because, yeah, it is a hobby kind of thing where these men of privilege are, are, you know, having fun behind these crazy machines. But then you could also die in a horrific wreck. You know, so the stakes, the stakes are less monetary and more literal life and death, you
3: know. There's a whole storyline on it about it on Downton Abbey. Oh, oh! Lady Mary falls in love with a racing car driver, and he dies. Well, I don't know. If, Mary's I
0: don't always pulling stuff like that. Yeah, classic Lady Mary.
2: We'll get back to more past guests, but right now, a word from our sponsors.
1: In just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Fast forward to
2: 1955 and Moss is now 26 years old. It was obvious at this point that he was different from the other racers. A renaissance man behind the wheel. Sterling would float between teams and dominate different types of races. While modern legendary racers would find one discipline and stick to it, Sterling would race multiple types of cars, sometimes in a single day. Instead of taking the winter off as other racers would do, Sterling headed to Africa and Asia to race those circuits. Today's F1 drivers average 20 races a year, widely considered to be a grueling schedule. Sterling was averaging closer to 50. Dang. And while modern drivers fly to each race and hop in a car at practice, Sterling would pack a car up and hop behind the wheel of the truck and drive the team through the night to the next track. This guy doesn't
0: stop. Yeah, it's like take a night off, man. It's like
3: chill out for a second, man. Get some McDonald's, okay?
0: Yeah. Let Pat drive. In
2: 1955. Yeah, wait. Yeah, let Pat drive
3: I bet Pat was driving I bet Pat doesn't get a lot of the credit that he deserves
2: (laughs) We'd like to dedicate this episode to Pat
3: Yeah, this episode is dedicated to
2: Pat Moth
0: Which is one of the best activities you can do when you're in the forest
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not just the worst way to be touched (laughs) Jeez. In
2: 1955, <laughs> Moss won the Royal Auto Club's British Grand Prix at Ain'tree, a racetrack that had never been won by a British driver before. Mercedes cars placed in the top four places with Moss in first. That year, he also won the RAC Tourist Trophy again in a Mercedes 300 SLR, the Circuito de Monsanto in a Porsche 500 Spyder, and the Targa Floria in the SLR, as well as the International Gold Cup in a Maserati. 250 F this guy does not have brand loyalty which I like
0: it's cool but also Monsanto
2: follow the money dude follow the money the Miglia is typically referred to as the most dangerous and most iconic single days drive in all of racing history if you're an OG past gas fan you know a lot about this already because we covered it in the first two episodes of this show when we talked about Enzo Ferrari Mercedes had a bone to pick with the Miglia. they hadn't won the race since 1931 and Italians dominated the podium. 1955 would be different. The Italians had an advantage in the 1,000-mile race because it cut through long swaths of Italian countryside, home turf for the local entrance. But Sterling had a plan. He brought along Dennis Jenkinson, a motorsports journalist, and they took some test runs of the track. Jenkinson made notes on an 18-foot-long scroll of paper so he could warn Sterling of upcoming turns, much like modern rally drivers. After 10 hours, 7 minutes, and 48 seconds, Amas and Jenkinson finally stopped the famous number 722 Mercedes 300 SLR in Brescia, Italy. They averaged 97.96 miles per hour over the entire 992 miles, which was the fastest ever set and would stand as a record until the race ended two years later. The second place driver, Sterling's longtime rival, teammate, and mentor, Juan Manuel Fangio, Arrived a full thirty minutes later. The success of a British driver in a German car rocked the Milomiglia and made headlines around the world.
0: That's pretty crazy to average ninety-seven miles per hour on just like country roads. Yeah, like for a country thousand roads miles. in the fifties
3: in Italy in an old ass car.
0: Yeah, bicycle tires and and.
3: To break, you put your feet on the ground. (laughs) The Flintstones. Yeah, that'd be wild. Can you imagine how sore his forearms were? Oh, God. No power steering. Rocking. Just rocking. Sterling won 212 out of 529 races in his career. More so than his wins, however, he was a driver who was consistently helping to push forward motorsport. In every category from strategy to technology to business, he was the first driver to run disc brakes. He drove the first rear-engined F1 car, and he opened up the world of non-racing sponsors to all drivers when he slapped the colors of El Dorado Ice Cream Company on his race car. (laughs) But for all his skill, ingenuity, and checkered flags, Sterling had yet to win a Formula One World Championship. He'd come close over and over again, but no cigar. In 1958, those close calls bubbled to a climactic season in the Brit's career. Uh, He had an automatic bedroom. What does that mean? His bedroom had buttons like Austin Powers' what? bedroom. <laughs> and he would press a button and it would like open his blinds and like start his shower. And he had, he had Austin Powers' bedroom.
0: It was like the rotating bed?
3: I, I assume so. That's pretty sick. Mm-hmm. On the extremely difficult cobble filled street track of Aborto in Portugal, Sterling and his old rival, Mike Hawthorne, were neck and neck battling over the crown of the first Brit to win the overall F1 title. Sterling was out front, but Hawthorne was literally feet behind him. Sterling lapped Hawthorne and was ready to take the prize when he noticed his competitor had spun out and stalled. Officials rushed Hawthorne's car, but Sterling rushed over and shooed them all away so Hawthorne would not be disqualified for receiving outside assistance. Sterling yelled for him to push the car down the hill and bump start the motor, which he did, and the race continued. What? That's awesome. No. What an idiot. <laughs>
0: you don't think that's awesome? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Not really. I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> he wants to keep racing.
3: Uh, yeah, that's pretty fun. Uh, back at the official's tent, they argued if Hawthorne had technically traveled in reverse on the track, which would have disqualified him. Sterling rushed to his defense and explained that Hawthorne was technically... On the sidewalk, not the circuit, so he couldn't have been driving in the wrong direction. Officials <laughs> shrugged and uh, awarded Hawthorne full points.
0: Checkmate. Uh, Checkmate. Toto Sterling. wouldn't
3: let this slide. No. Michael, this is an abomination. <laughs> At the end of the season, as the points were tallied, Hawthorne won the championship title by a single point, oh. which could not have happened without Sterling's help. While Sterling lost his only shot at the crown, he later told journalists he'd do it again in a second. It was simply the right thing to do.
2: I don't know if that, yeah, would not fly today with uh, all the sponsors on the car, man. I don't yeah, think... Man, um, no,
3: no way. I don't think Eldorado Gelati would... <laughs> yeah. uh, Eldorado <laughs> Gelati would... They might have let that slide, but... Uh. Dude, Eldorado Gelati sounds like a... Uh, Action Bronson. Uh, <laughs> like, you put your aliens. name into that wu rap name generator. I'm John Goddard, sipping El Dorado <laughs> yeah. Action Bronson, Bam Bam Baklava, El Dorado Gelati.
2: <laughs> Action, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> He's yoked now. Really? Yeah, that's pretty yeah.
3: cool.
2: Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. By 1962, Sterling had won pretty much every type of race in every type of car there was. He was just 33 and at the top of his game, dominating the sport, beloved by racing fans all over the globe. On April 23rd at Goodwood, Sterling wrecked Chasing Graham Hill. He had fractured his leg, was covered in lacerations, and had a serious head wound. He was comatose for almost a month and partially paralyzed for more than six months. It was a long road to recovery that was met by setback, after setback a year after the accident sterling slid behind the wheel of a familiar lotus 19 and returned to goodwood he pushed the car as hard as he could sailing along straights and throwing it hard into corners relying on the same oversteer that almost cost him his life but when he stopped his car and saw his time he was a few tenths of a second slower than before sterling dropped his helmet into the lotus and walked away from racing entirely Later, he would say that his instinctual control over the vehicle was gone. What was once an extension of his body now took conscious effort, and even though he was less than a second slower, he knew his mojo was gone. It made for an anticlimactic end to a storied racing career, but Sterling did what so many other drivers couldn't, know when it was time to quit.
0: That's pretty, like, honorable, but also kind of an overreaction, I feel like. It's only a couple of Also, tenths. if it's
2: his first time back in the car, like,
0: yeah, dude, give it a month.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Sterling Moss.
0: Yes, yeah,
3: yeah. Sterling Moss. And
0: also his mojo. Yeah, he
3: I know. Honestly, <laughs> he is, Austin his powers. Powers. <laughs> right, is Austin <laughs> Powers. This guy is Austin Powers. After his body healed, Sterling found himself bored, as many race car drivers do in retirement. He needed a way to pass the time, so Moss found his way over to ABC's Wide World of Sports to be their color commentary for NASCAR. Whoa! Weird. While his thick British accent was certainly appreciated during 1980s NASCAR races, he eventually moved on and spent more of his time narrating Formula One seasons. But talking about racing wasn't enough. While he had unofficially retired in 1962, Sterling popped up here and there at a few one-off races. Most notable was the grueling 18,000-mile 1974 oh London-Sahara-Munich World Cup rally where Sterling <laughs> showed up in a Mercedes 280 E.
0: Who thought of that race where it's like <laughs> yeah. London to Sahara to
3: Munich? Someone from Munich needed someone in London to pick up something in the Sahara yeah. and bring it. To Some France.
0: like Moroccan food.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, This ridiculous rally began in London and wound its way to Munich via Nigeria. (laughs) In total, 70 cars entered the race and only 19 managed to complete it. Notable among the ones who were left stranded was Sterling Moss.
2: I would love to do a rally like this. Mm -hmm. Some ridiculously long
3: drive. Yeah. Yeah. Be cool. While racing near Bakar, Algeria, Sterling and his team found that there were a few errors in the map due to a few roads being demolished and rebuilt between map making and racing. Most of the competitors were lost in the Sahara with little hope. Experienced drivers referred to it as the most grueling terrain of any rally ever. Race officials hired helicopters and small airplanes to locate all the racers once they realized. They had been spread out all over the African oh, desert. God. Many were lost for days <laughs> driving circles around the sandy roads while bartering with locals for food oh, and water. God. A handful of racers abandoned the route and set out for civilization where they traded their cars for airfare back to Europe. <laughs> do you still want to do this, Nolan? I'm thinking about it. Sounds like the last season of High Low. Right? <laughs> hey.
0: You just gotta trade your your <laughs> low car for like a spirit air ticket.
2: Dude, that thing's worth at least United
0: business class.
3: <laughs> I mean low car is now like fifty grand. Yeah, it's an expensive car now. Uh high car is a hundred thousand dollars. Oh my god. <laughs> In part. It's so wild. We'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors.
0: Big thanks to eBay for sponsoring this episode of Pass Gas. Passion, drive, patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. We're talking superchargers, turbos, exhaust kits, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need for the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
3: Sterling and his team stayed true to course, but they continued to overheat in the 280E and eventually found their way to an abandoned Algerian military fort. With an empty radiator and less than a gallon of water between them, they were forced to sit and wait for several days for officials to deliver water to them so they could continue the race. But by the time they were rehydrated, the race had continued without them. In 1980, again, sterling returned to competition he showed up at the british saloon car championship with the gti engineering audi team but he didn't do too well he continued to race historic cars would show up to any special races he was invited to participate in as long as it didn't interfere with his playboy retiree lifestyle
2: Ooh, got the automatic
3: shower button in 2004 (laughs) sterling arrived at a promotion for the new Mercedes-Benz SLR to find his old friend, the exact number seven two two three hundred SLR, he won the Millimeglion. With zero hesitation, Sterling jumped behind the wheel and took to the track. A reporter who had joined him said that the 75-year-old was better than everyone else there. I doubt it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That is a very reporter thing to say about a famous old man.
0: They're like waiting for a statement from the reporter and Sterling Moss is like waiting behind him to see what he says.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's better than everyone here. (laughs) He did so good. He did so good. He's better than everyone here. I'm so proud of him. And on June 9th, 2011, while attempting to qualify for the Le Mans Legends race at the age of 81, Sterling handed off his helmet and gloves and told Radio Le Mans that he was actually done racing. Done, done. For real this time. He explained that the Porsche RS61 was just too fast for him, and it deserved a better driver. He told the press that he was a racer, not a driver, meaning that even as an octogenarian, yeah, in his 80s. Great. He, he he also told the press that he was a racer, not a driver, meaning that even as an octogenarian, he wanted to win, not just keep pace. That's pretty dignified. And then when he was 99, he returned to race. <laughs> <laughs> At the peak
2: of his career, Sterling would reach 180 mile per hour top speeds, just 15 shy of top racers today, with nothing more than determination and a helmet. More like 40 miles. They hit 220 at Baku. Compared to modern F1 cars and other race cars, the machines Sterling piloted were primitive and unreliable, but he was able to get the most out of every car he drove car's brakes were also awful. He was the first driver to run disc brakes at the millimiglia, and they'd run so hot they'd boil over the brake fluid. Tires in the 1950s were atrocious as well. Sterling would constantly fight both over and understeer to keep the car on track, while today's tires are grippy and hold the line. He managed to survive the most dangerous era of racing, but just barely. At 80, Sterling fell three stories down an elevator shaft. What? Shattering oh his God. legs and chipping his spine, but he survived.
3: What was he doing in there? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, man. He's years sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> Serves him right.
2: <laughs> Six years later, he suffered a near fatal chest infection. Keyword being near. The guy was almost indestructible. But on April 12th, 2020, Moss finally passed away. At his longtime home in Mayfair, London, after a long illness. I didn't realize it was that recent. I know. It's crazy, right? Yeah. In his 90 years of life, he had lived several lifetimes across just as many racing disciplines. Widely described as one of the greatest drivers to never win an F1 championship, we'd rather simplify things. Sterling was one of the greatest drivers,
3: full stop. Full stop, but he never did. Full stop. Full stop but he never did. I wonder if Pat's still alive. Uh, Probably. That's
2: his younger brother, so maybe. Uh, well, that's our story this week. We have some listener email to get through. We have a listener email to read. Dan writes, hi, Nolan, James, and Joe. I'm a longtime listener, first-time emailer. I'm from the land of England and just wanted to say I love your show's perfect balance of humor and history. Humor well, with you, an o- OU very british dan are you british Whoa. that's how that's sterling how we know. moss
3: would have written it
0: yeah
2: that's how we know that's how we know just one fun fact for you guys okay. adrian newey and jeremy clarkson were both at the same school Repton school at the same time both kicked out and are now members of its notable alumni list uh that is a fun fact Just like Cameron Diaz and Snoop Dogg both went to Long Beach Polytechnic. but if they got
0: kicked out, they didn't graduate. How are they alumni?
2: Because they're rich. If you get successful enough, they're going to claim you, you know?
0: Yeah, that's lame.
2: Dan also writes, I have an episode idea. The crazy story of the 1958 Cuban Grand Prix in which five-time world champion Juan Manuel Fangio was kidnapped before the race by Fidel Castro and his Rebels to boycott that the race. That would be a fun episode. That would be fun. would be fun. That would be fun. Remember to keep it juiced.
3: Yeah, Danny. yo. We should write that movie starring Danny McBride.
2: <laughs> <laughs> as as, as uh, Castro. As Juan Manuel no, no, as Castro. Castro.
3: Yeah. As Castro. And
0: and the guy who plays Stevie and Eastbound and Down can play Raul, his brother.
3: Yeah, yeah. And then Fangio's like Timothy Chamelet. Yeah <laughs> <Chamelet. laughs> <laughs> If you'd like to get in contact with
2: us, hit us up at pastgas at DonutMedia.com. Oh, Guys,
0: before we get the correction next week, Patricia Ann Moss was his sister. Oh, no. What? Oh, no. And she was one of the most successful female auto rally dra- drivers of all time, achieving How three outright that? wins and seven podium finishes in international rallies. She was crowned okay, well. European Ladies Rally Champion five times. That's awesome.
3: Well it's we were cool. talking about her like
0: she was a, sl- a <laughs> yeah. slow boy
3: but apparently she was a very fast girl. <laughs> Let us know if you want us to do I an episode on
0: Pat Moss cuz she seems
3: awesome. like in my in my head I thought he was just like this dumpy <laughs> yeah. guy covered in hay. <laughs> I thought
0: that we said Pat was a uh, boy yeah, at wait some a point.
3: Minute. I thought so too. <laughs> well, we apologize to Pat. Yeah, well,
0: thank you for correcting us, Tommy, a producer. Uh, that's pretty embarrassing.
2: Oh, that is weird. Okay, so Eileen Crawford, who we talked about, she was also a rally racer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we mentioned that.
2: Who drove the ambulances. Okay. Well, that's on us. Sorry about that. Hit up the boys. At James Pumphrey, at Joji Weber. Follow me, at Nolan J. Sykes. Uh, follow Donut on all social media. If you'd like to, big thank you to our producers, uh, Thomas Willette and Gavin Kinzel. And our writer, Jacob Dejarlet. Yes, so thank you very much, boys.
0: You know what? we make We make mistakes, but at the end of the day, slime off a slug's back. That's right. All right, see you later.